Hey guys, welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. Uh, hope you guys are having a good week. How's how's it hanging? Man, that's great to hear. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, this week, I'm going to talk about something, a new experience that I tried this week that I was uh, talked into by a friend, and I didn't really have much to talk about, so I'm just going to talk about this. Um, we're going to start by prefacing this story. A long time ago. So, there's a tradition in American high schools to vote for senior superlatives, which is a two-star tradition in which the the senior class votes amongst themselves on which of their classmates they think is most likely to succeed, most handsome, best dancer, etc., etc., things like that. And I went to a really small high school. Like, my graduating class was something like 37 students. And we were like a big class too. So 37 students, senior year, senior, it's time to vote on senior superlatives. And, you know, there's a, there's a really good chance you're going to get voted for something because it's such a small class and there's like 30 of them. So we do that whole thing. We vote, we do, you know, we vote on the senior superlatives, what we think, and we wait and wait and wait for the results to come back. When they finally post the results, they put them on a piece of paper and just like stuck them up on a bulletin board. And uh, I was I was voted for a senior superlative, but it was not one that I wanted. It was not one that anyone I think wants to have. I I was voted class snob, and that hurt my feelings a little bit. If I'm being honest, like I didn't think I was a snob, but kind of looking introspectively, I was like, no, I could see why people think that about me. I was a high schooler, and I kind of thought I was better than everyone, and, you know, just high school boy stuff, but I, I was I was the class snob, Polo High School 2016, and uh, <laughs> I feel like over the past, you know, four or five years, I've grown up as a person, I've developed, I've kind of let go of some of my snobbish ways but you know no one's perfect i think if you were to call me a snob today it would be about one of two things it would be about my coffee and about the types of movies that i watch i i could be called a film snob i could be called a coffee snob and those two things i'm not going to object to uh it's it's fairly true now i want to preface this by saying that i believe in you know, like your personal choice, and that you should stand by that. Um, I think there's nothing worse than people expressing their opinions and liking what they like and then getting made fun of for it. I think that's honestly like a really, really lousy thing to have happen to you as a person. Like if, if you're just out there doing what you do and living your life and someone's like, oh, you like that? You're stupid. Like, that's bad. I don't want to support that. And And so I want to start just by saying, if you like, you know, like what you like and don't apologize for it. I believe in that. I try to live that way with myself and I try not to to mock people that like things that I think that I don't like. So just let's start off by saying that. Don't apologize for what you like. Love it. Own it. Be yourself. Um, so this whole coffee snob thing started for me as I was a freshman in college. 
I, I never really drank coffee much in high school and uh, near high school, like I had a ton of energy and there wasn't a ton of stress in my life. And so I never really drank it, never needed it. But when I went to college, I knew that it was coming. Even if I didn't need it as soon as I moved in, I knew there's going to be a day when I need a cup of coffee, something fierce. And so I, I asked for a coffee maker and I got one as a graduation present and it was great. I, I went to the store, I bought a big giant tub of Folgers dark silk coffee and paper coffee filters. Actually, I got on Amazon and bought one of the reusable ones because I was, I knew I was going to be, you know, being responsible with my money and with the environment. And about three or four weeks into the semester, that coffee maker broke. Which, it's not to say it was the nicest coffee maker I've ever owned, because it's like the $25 one from Target. Like, the, the electrical component shorted out. It didn't do anything. So, I threw it out, because it wasn't working. There's no reason to have a broken coffee maker in your room. And at that point, I had started to drink coffee, like, on a fairly regular basis. And so... I had, I had to replace my coffee maker. I'm not going to drink coffee from the cafeteria. That would be gross. So I set out to Target to find the cheapest coffee maker I could find. Because freshman Jesse had no money. And he couldn't just go off spending 50 bucks on a coffee maker. That would be an outrageous use of $50. So I went out to find the cheapest one I could possibly find. And I landed on... A French press, a little glass one cup French press. I bought it for like $12 at Target and I was just like, boom, awesome, cheapest one I could find. So I look up some YouTube videos, I learn how to make a cup of coffee with the French press and the first cup of coffee I had knocked me straight off my feet. I mean, knocked me flat on my butt. It was strong. It was a lot stronger than like a drip coffee maker would make. And I liked it. I, I was really okay with it. And so I, I kept making it and I kept liking it. And it became the way I preferred to make my coffee. Well, eventually, you know, I, I lived with a roommate. At, at this time, I was living with a roommate. And he drank coffee about as much as I did, maybe even more often. But this dude put so much creamer in his coffee that it was like, almost white. I mean, it was a ton of creamer and barely any coffee. And I made fun of him for it because I just think it's kind of goofy to have a cup of coffee that's mostly creamer, especially like the froofy creamer. Um, again, love what you love. Don't apologize for it, but someone didn't tell 18-year-old Jesse that. I made fun of him for it because he was spending like $5 a bottle on this creamer. And I was like, I'm not going to pay that much for creamer. Like, I'll go through it like crazy. It's it's money that I don't have to spend. So I'm just going to drink my coffee black. And I grew to love it that way. I grew to like black coffee. And I grew to like black coffee out of my French press. And I started just appreciating it more and more and more. Now, this cheapness that I have, this inherent, I don't want to spend more money than I have to, also carried itself over into coffee shops, which uh, by the time I was at FC and in college, I, I was only going to a Starbucks. I was not sitting in, in a specialty coffee shop anywhere. I, I didn't care to. I didn't have the appreciation for what I was drinking, so it's probably a good thing that I wasn't even there in the first place. But 
the cheapness kind of carried itself off into a Starbucks where I would look at the menu and I would try to find the cheapest thing I could, or at least one of the cheapest things I could find. And usually at a place like Starbucks, that's either black coffee or an Americano. And I think to myself, I can make black coffee in my room. I'll have an Americano, which if you don't know what that is, it's pretty much just black coffee, except it's made with like a shot of espresso and then dumbed down with hot water, but it's still like a black coffee. And I grew to like that. And as I started venturing out into more normal, like specialty coffee houses, I, I still like to order the cheapest thing I could, which is oftentimes something called a Cortado, which is like in the little tiny mugs, they're like a four ounce drink. And it's, it's a 50, 50 mix of espresso and steamed milk. So it's strong. It's not frothy. There's no like foam. It's just espresso and milk. And it is really strong. And so over this time, this large and larger expanse of my time, I was I was cultivating a, a taste for strong, bold coffee. And I just started liking it that way. And eventually as I moved to Bowling Green and I had an actual job and I could actually like spend a little more money, I I started buying coffee beans. Um, at the time I was just buying like Folgers pre-ground coffee, which on the scale of like quality coffee on the low end of coffee, like it's not great stuff. It's, it's not great. And so I started buying, you know, like a $6 bag of coffee beans, still fairly cheap, but they were whole beans. And I used my roommate's coffee grinder to make my coffee in my French press that was now at the time two years old. And I started liking that more. I liked having the fresh ground coffee instead of something that came pre-ground. And I started to appreciate it more. And I started looking into different ways, different ways to like kind of finesse the technique of a French press to make it smoother or stronger or maybe a little bit weaker. How to get some of the grounds out of the bottom of the cup. I was trying a lot of new things and I started getting more and more into the process of making coffee. And... I started just kind of getting deeper and deeper into it. And when you do that, and especially when you hang out around like hipster coffee bars, you find that there are a lot of different ways to make coffee. There are a lot of different ways to like spruce up a cup of coffee. There's the syrups, which I'm generally not a fan of. It's just too thick and sweet for me. I don't like it made that way. Um, You've got something like spices, just like a little bit of cinnamon or nutmeg or something. That's fine with me. Like, I don't usually order my coffee that way, but it's fine. But the one that surprised me is all the different, like, creamers you can put in milk, in coffee. You can do just full-on heavy whipping cream. You can do milk, 2%, half and half, oat milk, coconut milk, almond milk, all these things. A bunch of different ways that you can, like, cream down your coffee. But there was one that I had heard just very randomly that stood way out of the norm, like something that didn't seem right to me. And that was butter. I heard from a family friend of ours, someone that we used to spend our Wednesday nights at church with, that said, oh yeah, we know someone who puts butter in their coffee. And it turns the coffee this weird kind of grayish color, and it's it's disgusting. I couldn't imagine. 
And I'm sitting there like, that is whack. I'm going to sit with my black coffee and I'm not going to complain. And I'm going to sit here and judge people. Because again, freshman Jesse was not the nicest person in the world. Fast forward all these years when I'm starting to get more and more into it and have a better understanding of different roasts of coffee and all this stuff. I've, I've gotten way into it. I've become uh, a little too knowledgeable about the way coffee works. And a friend of mine texted me the other day and he says, dude, you should try putting a little bit of butter in your cup of coffee. And I, I balked at him. I was like, I don't know, man, that seems kind of whack to me. You know, I drink it black. I don't need to put anything in it. But I decided to listen to this friend because he's someone that I respect and he's someone that I get along with really well. And I just was like, you know what? Sure, let's try it. What can it hurt to try putting a little bit of butter in my coffee? And I had to start thinking about it a little bit. Like, when you think about it, butter doesn't really stand out from milk or heavy whipping cream all that much at all. It's actually closer to that than something like oat milk or almond milk does. Because butter, I hate to tell you guys this, it is cream that comes off the top of milk. It is cultured a little bit and it's churned. It is like basically super thick whipped cream is what butter is. And so when you think about it, it should be fine to put in a cup of coffee. Like why, you know, what's the difference between putting that and heavy whipping cream in? It's just basically the same stuff, just made a little bit differently. So I, I went out and tried it. And I went out and I tried it the right way. Um, for starters, you cannot, you shouldn't put salt, but salted, for starters, you shouldn't put salted butter in your coffee. That is a whole nother story, a whole nother sack of cats, because butter is one thing, but you should never put salt in a cup of coffee. Like that, that is criminal. Because the flavor, the flavors that come from a cup of coffee do not do well with salt. Like a dark roast is going to be like smoky and bold and kind of like you can get the roasty flavors, something like chocolate. And then like a medium roast is a little bit different. And then like a light roast is like acidic and kind of fruity and flowery. Salt does not go with any of those flavors. You should never put salted butter in a cup of coffee. So if you feel like you're going to try it, please don't put salted butter in your coffee. That would be a bad thing. I also decided that I was going to go a little bit out of my way to get like a quality, like a good, a good stick of butter. Like if I'm going to put butter in my coffee, which is like a sacred thing to me, I don't mess around with my coffee. I'm going to, I'm going to do it right. So I went out and bought Kerrygold Irish butter made from happy grass fed Irish cows. And I came home and I was anxious and I wasn't really sure what I should do. And so I made a cup of coffee and I just, I cut off a little piece that I thought would be reasonable and I just plopped it in my coffee. And I was waiting for it to turn that ugly gray color and this, for it to be really gross. And it took a while to melt. Like it took longer than I expected for the butter to melt. But when it did, it kind of created this little, almost kind of a cream at the top of the, the cup of coffee. So you have to kind of constantly stir it to keep it well mixed. But I have to say, I was kind of pleasantly surprised with what came out of it. For one thing, it didn't turn hardly any color at all. For, you know, butter to be made of cream, it didn't, it didn't really change the color of the coffee one bit for me. It actually stayed pretty much the same color. 
but when you drink it, it's, it does have a much smoother texture. Like the butter and the fat content of the butter really creates kind of a thicker, smoother consistency with, with, the, with the coffee. And so it was smoother, but at the same time, it kind of had the fatty kind of a, I guess a texture to it. Like it left a little like film of butter on, on my lips and it, it really kind of rounded everything off, which I guess some people could take that to be a good thing. But when I say it rounded everything off, I mean, it took the edge off of the cup of coffee, which I'm, I'm a little out of the ordinary. I like it brewed really strong and I like it to be kind of bitey. I like, I want to have like strong coffee breath after I drink my cup of coffee. It's bold and it's strong and it's supposed to taste strong and it's supposed to kind of punch you in the face a little bit and putting the butter in it kind of took the edge off of it to where it wasn't so much that way, which is fine, but it wasn't really my cup of tea. So I tried it. I now I've got a whole stick of Kerrygold Irish butter, which I'm very excited to eat on bread and biscuits and things like that. But as far as putting it in my coffee, I got to say, I was not a snob about it. I didn't balk. I didn't, you know, I didn't just outright say no. I didn't say that my opinion was better. I decided to try it and it wasn't as bad as I thought. I would do it again, but I definitely wouldn't do it every day. I give it three stars. So that's kind of the new experience I had this week. It's kind of neat. I'm not going to lie, but uh, you know, not, not for me. I, you might make it at home and think that it's excellent. And you might want to text your friend and say, Hey, this sounds weird. You need to try butter in a cup of coffee and it might catch on for you. Who knows? But for me, just, just one for me. Um, at this point, I'm only like 18 minutes into my normally half an hour podcast. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my week, about the way things are going. Um, let's see. Uh, movies that I've watched this week. Um, okay, I have a couple movies, some big movies that I want to talk about uh, from my from my past week. Um, we went out of our way to watch some really quality stuff. Um, lately, my wife, Sarah, really wanted to watch a movie called Schindler's List. Which, if you're like a movie person the way that we are, um, it's it's a big deal. It's a big time movie. Steven Spielberg directed it. It won like seven Oscars. It's one of the highest rated films of all time. Like it's very very good. And so we knew this about the movie. And so we were like, let's watch it. Let's sit down and put this dude on and see what we get. And I gotta say, it was a really quality experience. Like I have to, I, I cannot recommend highly enough this movie it is three hours and 15 minutes long like it is it is crazy long and the thing is i i can't say that any part of it should have been cut out i don't think you could leave any of it on the cutting room floor and and be okay with it like every bit was it added to the power and the impact of the movie um i'm going to give a slight little spoiler alert because I want to talk about the, the part of the story that really got to me the most, the thing that I find most impressive about the story. So if you haven't seen Schindler's List and you have every intention to see it, um, I don't know where you should skip to, but you should probably skip through it for a couple minutes. Um, 
The thing that I find most amazing about Schindler's List is the fact that it it transcends fiction. Sarah and I were talking about it after we watched it, and we were just kind of floored by how good the movie was. And the way that the movie ends, and kind of the whole plot of the movie, is that you have this guy, Oscar Schindler, who is a real person, by the way, and he was an industrialist, so he had factories that he owned and operated and made money on during World War II. And in Germany, like, that's big business. And he was making a lot of money, and he was using concentration camp workers, like Jews, because they, they cost little to nothing to run in his factory. And over time, as the crimes of the Germans became worse and worse and worse and more and more impactful and more widespread, he he began to see the kind of value that his business could have. And so the reason that the movie is called Schindler's List is because there's a concentration camp that's getting to close down and they're going to ship everyone off to Auschwitz. And this is where the camp where all of his workers are currently stationed. And he, he realizes that he can save lives. And so what he does is he puts together a list of people that work for him and that he want to work for him. And he uses his power as a member of the Nazi party and as like a rich industrialist to pay off high-ranking members of the Third Reich to give him these people to work for him. And so by the end of this movie, he's he saved 1,100 lives, 1,100 people he kept out of a concentration camp and kept alive to work in this factory making ammunition, except they didn't make ammunition. Like He didn't even want the war to keep going. He just wanted to keep these people alive. And, and when the war was finally over, as a member of the Nazi party, as someone who benefited off of the war effort, he became like legally a war criminal and ended up saving 1,100 lives while he was a war criminal for something he didn't even do. For taking advantage of the system to save lives, he became a criminal. And the thing that I find so powerful about this is that you can't write that story. Like, you can't, you can't have a screenwriter sitting around somewhere saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a movie about a Nazi who saves 1,100 Jews. Nobody would buy that. No studio would say, we'll make that movie because it's not believable. It's it's not realistic. It's not like Star Wars where like you have a suspension of disbelief. You know that it's not real. You know that it can't happen. It's based around true events and things that we know happened. Like, you wouldn't believe that someone could do that much good out of that much evil. That They could take something so bad and turn it so positively. You wouldn't believe it. It's hard to believe. But this story, it, it becomes greater than fiction because it becomes greater than fiction because it can't be fiction. No one would believe it unless it was real. And the fact that it is real is just even more amazing. Like, it's completely insane to me that someone could give that much of themselves to save other people. Like it's so, it's such a selfless act and it's so beautifully acted. Like Liam Neeson does such a wonderful job in that movie. It's, it's so powerful. I, I nearly cried at the end of it, which is a high mark for me. Some people, maybe not so much. Um, it's a really powerful movie. It really hits hard and it's really, really good. It's not streaming for free anywhere, 
but it is worth the four dollars you spend to rent it like come on you have to watch this movie it's it's fantastic it's so good and then last night on valentine's day um because i'm recording this a day a couple days later than i normally do um yesterday on valentine's day sarah and i went out to the movies for the first time in like four months we haven't seen a movie since tenet came out and and we've been dying for movie theaters to open up again and so we went out and saw judas and the black messiah last night which is uh, a movie directed by shaka king about Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers in Chicago in the late 1960s. And that was a really fantastic movie also because it, it's a movie about the civil rights and it's a movie about real people as well. And I'm not going to give a spoiler alert to this movie because the movie came out on Friday. Like, it's only been out for like four days at this point. But use your imagination with the title judas and the black messiah you know what's going to happen at the end of this movie you know that someone's going to get betrayed because that's the whole symbolism of of the title but the movie still makes you like it still takes the breath out of you when it happens which is not an easy thing to do it's like telling somebody the punchline of a joke and then you go on and tell the joke and it still makes someone laugh like that's a really complicated and difficult thing to do because the audience knows what's going to happen but even when it happens, it still impacts and it still hits the audience and you can like feel it take the wind out of you. And so that was a really another really well-made movie. Um, Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield are so, so good in that movie. Like if if neither one of them get nominated for a best actor Oscar, I'm I'm gonna be awfully surprised because they they really put on some fantastic performances. Which they've always done in the past, but like they really, it really shows in this movie. So that's exciting. I think that'll be the first. It'll. I think it'll be. Predict that it'll be one of the movies on this year's uh, best picture nomination list. So, in like, let's see, one, two, three, four, like like five weeks from now, um, the Academy Award nominations will come out on March fifteenth, and. Sarah and I are going to try to watch as many of those movies as we can to get ready for the Oscars. We want to watch the Oscars with our picks for, you know, best picture, best actor, all that stuff. So hopefully we've kind of had a head start and seen one or two of those movies. But come March 15th, you're probably going to hear me talk a lot more about uh, the movies that we're going to be watching and the things that we find really, really good. So buckle up because it's going to be happening. Um, so there's that. Uh, I'm finally going to talk about uh, just one more thing before I close. Uh, something that's been on my mind really heavily for the past like four weeks, and I just I haven't talked about it because there was there wasn't a lot of finality and a lot of answers. But we today's like the first day where we've had any kind of solid ground to walk on, so I'm I'm just gonna kind of keep you guys up to date. Um, a couple weeks ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so for the past couple of weeks, they've been doing some MRIs and some genetic testing and trying to, to plan on a path forward on how to treat. And today they finally came up with a plan. My mom's going to have surgery uh, two weeks from today on March 1st. And I don't know. It's just been really, 
weighing heavily on my mind. Like it's a, it's a, it's kind of just knocked the air out of me and I've kind of been feeling flat for the past couple weeks. So if you guys could just keep my mom and my family in your prayers, that would really, really mean a lot to me and to my family. Like I said, that's two weeks away and we've been, we've been thinking about it for the past couple weeks and it's been really, really wearing us all out emotionally and mentally. And that's why I went home a couple weeks ago. I didn't want to say it, but that's the week that we got the, got the diagnosis and I'll probably, probably be back there, uh, the weekend before surgery. So if you guys could keep that in your, in your prayers, that would really mean a lot to me. So there's that finally some, some real raw honesty on this show, something that I haven't really been doing because, uh, that's not what this show's about, but I had to share that. That's, it's been really on our minds lately. So <sighs> that's it. I hope you guys, I hope you guys have a good week. I'm going to try not to let that wear me out because that's a really kind of a downer note to, to close on, but I hope you guys have a great week. I hope that you know, things go well and you decide to do some things, try something new, try putting butter in your coffee or try, just try something you've never tried before. Like go, go order a meal or try a drink at like a coffee place you've never had, you know, maybe sit down and watch a movie. That's like really out of your depth. Maybe not out of your depth, but like maybe watch something that you're not used to watching. Like Schindler's list is not a movie that I normally would watch, but it's fantastic. And it's a really great movie. So, like, go out. Try something new. Hug your friends. Call your mom. Make the most of your week. Because it's important. You know, let the people... Let the people know that you're living a good life. And that things are well. So, that's pretty much all I got. That's That's been my week. Hope you guys are really doing well. It means a lot to meet you guys even tune in and listen to this every week. It's just the ramblings of a single individual without the help of his much more charismatic, much funnier brother. So thanks guys for listening. Um, you guys know how it works. If you love the podcast, share it with someone you love. If you hated it, share it with someone you hate. And until next week. <laughs>